0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Lots to do in the next couple hours. John Houston, former PGA Tour player, current Champions Tour member. He'll be teeing it up at the Shaw Charity Classic next month. So join us for the Speargrass Golf Show coming up in about 15 minutes at 730. Caleb Joseph, Blue Jays analyst, former Major League Baseball catcher, big time Nashville Predators fan at 730. I want to get Caleb's take on the Ryan O'Reilly signing because that kind of was a bit of a surprise that the Predators went that way saying goodbye to Matt Duchesne and then signing Ryan O'Reilly. And at 8 o'clock, the head coach of your Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska is going to join us. Looking forward to that. We're also playing Stump the Franchise at 8.30. Eric Francis in studio. You ask a trivia question, a Flames trivia question to Eric Francis at nine sixty nine sixty 960 name and location with the answer, our crack research team here on the big show. Eric, it's like Sportsnet stats and the Elias Sports Bureau rolled into one. That's how. That's how incredible these guys are. And again, you forgot to turn on your <laughs> mic saying your first words. If you can stump the franchise... At 8.30, uh, uh, if, you, if you stump them, your name will be thrown into a draw to win uh, tickets to the Badlands Music Festival for tonight and tomorrow. Those are pretty exclusive, expensive tickets, so it's a damn yeah. good prize today.
1: Yeah, it's a good prize, and it's not a hard prize to win. I, no. I, I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by it. Don't pick just the hard ones. Yeah. Pick the good ones. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, I think you could, well, as your Impossible Flames trivia proved yesterday or the day before. Wednesday, yeah. If you really try hard enough, you could stump anybody. It's true. My voice is still recovering from it's Wednesday's
0: remarkable showing.
1: Remarkable show.
0: Pinnacle of your life? No. You've you've had a lot of highlights this week <laughs> in your life. You interviewed Joey Chestnut. You had twenty five drinks within like a ten hour period. Like you you've you've had a legendary week. Stampede's really delivered for you this week.
1: Stampede always delivers, and but the key is to play hurt. Yeah, it's true. You have to. You did it. Oh man! Everybody did I ever? It. Everybody does it.
0: Yeah, especially on Tuesday. Oh, I was suffering on Tuesday. So, um, <laughs> you uh, we talked about something uh, before you jumped on the air, and I want to I want to share an opinion with you. So, uh, you went to a specific donut uh, franchise yesterday mm-hmm. after the show and ate donuts. And you, what did you say about the donuts? And let's not name the specific place nope. because I actually want to open a franchise, and mm-hmm. I'll get you see if you want to invest. But just talk about the donuts.
1: Well, my theory is there's no such thing as a bad donut. Okay, there are stale donuts. Yes, you know, but there are no there are no bad donuts. Yes, N- impossible. Right, you, you can't it can't happen. I I almost go that as far. I used to say that about pizza too, but then when I started the Pizza Pig Out, many places proved to me that there are bad pizzas.
0: You see the, 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 this is my take I'm about to share with you about pizza.
1: Oh, sorry, I stepped on you.
0: No, no, it's okay because okay. you don't know the steak Okay. Uh, pizzas to me, it's, uh, it's like sex. Here's why oh, there's really good pizza and really good sex and sometimes really bad pizza and really bad sex, but still you're going to take it anytime. Like you're never going to turn down a slice of pizza. Well played. Yeah. And you're never going to turn down some sweet, sweet loving. Right. And there's, yeah. there's always, there's a lot of, there's a good, there's good ones and there's not so good ones, but you're still going to do it and but you're I, still going to eat one.
1: I, I, I would agree. Like, not so good sex, I would go with, but I wouldn't say bad sex.
0: But that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, pizza, like, even though when it's not the best, you're still going to have a slice. Yeah. Because it's pizza.
1: Yeah. And a donut, unless you're health conscious. Yeah. Because I'm told they're not that good for you. Right. Um. You, you, you rarely want to turn one down. Mm-hmm. You often do, because it's the right thing to do. But, man, what a payoff. Yeah both bites
0: i do remember that specific donut franchise used to make them fresh
1: oh that old debate do you
0: remember that i See, remember that
1: but i think that's probably when i came up with my theory yeah because that was about 15 or 20 years ago they went from fresh to then just frozen to heating them up sure and i'm like it, it, and everyone was losing their mind it was a canadian it was a national crisis it was I'm surprised they didn't have an inquiry yeah uh, but at the end of the day like three weeks later, everybody forgot about it and kept eating the donuts because yeah. they're still good.
0: They're so good. Where does the apple fritter rank to you on donuts?
1: That's controversial.
0: Yeah. That's why I'm asking and, you.
1: And, uh, I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> it's not, um, it's not high on my list, Yeah. but I'll put it in that category of not so good sex or not so good pizza. Okay. I'll still eat it yeah. and go, damn, they surprised me those things. Yeah.
0: What is uh the one dessert? I'll I'll tell you mine because I'm gonna leave you time to think about it. What is the one dessert that you stay away from because it's terrible for you and you can eat a ton of? I'm gonna give you an example. A cinnamon bun that's got the the oh. cream cheese icing on top. <laughs> I could eat like three of those and they're like eight to nine hundred calories a bun. Like I could
2: eat those every day, yeah. like Three, four times a day. They're so delicious. you' funny. Cinnamon buns, they're great. Uh, the, the local grocery store where I live, uh, the, how they make the cinnamon buns, uh, this is actually a, they're upside down. And I don't know why they're doing this, but like, you know how like the flat end <laughs> yeah. and then it like curls up. Yeah. They're upside down. They put the icing on the flat part. So it's like, it's it's shaped like this. I, I'm making like a, a U shape. On yeah. the, uh, you can't see it on the radio, but I'm making like a U shape. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. It's but they're still opposite. delicious. They're yeah. still great. It yeah. kind of proves like, our point. They, that's they, what I mean. Just, they just flip the icing I, on the other yeah, side. Yeah, <laughs> I totally avoid that because I know,
0: like, if I bought the four-pack, I could eat the two right away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we, they're terrible for you.
1: Oh, my, my God. <laughs> yeah. my, wife, my wife started a family tradition. Whenever it's anyone's birthday in the house, that morning we wake up to fresh cinnamon buns with oh. all the icing that my wife does. and And it's fantastic it, it always starts my day off horrifically yeah because i've ate i've eaten six or seven of them yeah oh you're the man Thank
0: you. yeah
1: the donuts are here
0: yeah so what what is that what is that sweet that if you have it that's it it's I, I
1: think cinnamon buns is uh, that's like a tapeworm like yeah. you can't stop <laughs> no you can't you can't stop you're like no. ah one more little square yeah. and you cut off or you cut off a half one and then inevitably you're back for the other half yeah seconds later i can't do it I, I put that in there. You know, there are a lot of desserts. I'm a, I'm a sweet tooth. I mean, Me
0: too. I have a sweet tooth. <clears throat> like, it's...
1: That's why I drink rum and Coke and... Right. You know, milkshakes. Like
0: it, it, oh, really? It, milkshakes? Oh,
1: my God. There's no... I, I wouldn't say there are no bad milkshakes because I found one the other day at one of my favorite burger joints. And uh, I used to do something with my daughter. Uh, every Monday, we used to call it Milkshake Monday. Okay. That's fun. And, and you know, when she was little, like five, six, seven... She loved e- it. Every Monday, we'd go and try to find the world's greatest milkshake and it was our little thing yeah kind of backfired because now she's lactose intolerant and i always wonder <laughs> so she, if, if she, that's how why. much she was suffering yeah if she was suffering <laughs> it's just, yeah. just i'm happy just happy to, doing this for you dad yeah, just happy to be with her daddy if i don't drink this milkshake he's not <laughs> yeah. gonna love me yeah he'll disown me <laughs> up sleep puking all night you know we never put it together anyway oh, dairy. but but the other day you know had one and and the straw sunk to the bottom. Oh, that problem. that's a sign to me yeah. that it's not a, like the, the the flavor was fine. No. But it was too it has to have some There's thickness.
2: There's a coffee shop on 17th that makes an exceptional milkshake. It's like right hand scoop. It takes like it takes them forever to make it. And they you can tell when you ask for it, they don't want to make it cuz like, oh god, this takes forever. But it's so good. It's so good. It's like it's real ice cream. Yeah. They go, "Oh my god." Like I, when I bartended in the
0: tourism industry in Niagara Falls at the restaurant I worked at, there was milkshakes on the menu and I dreaded every time you had to make a milkshake because then you got to go make some, how about, Hey, how about a rum and Coke instead of a milkshake? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we had to make it with the Oreo cookies and you got to jam the ice cream in there and use the blender. And I'm (laughs) like, it's about consistency too, because it's got to be thick, but not too thick because it has to be drinkable. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a vanilla chocolate strawberry? What is your, what is all of them. All of them. All the above.
1: All the above. When I was a kid, it was always strawberry. Yeah. As I grew up and, and matured. Yeah. Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. The I vanilla. can't wait to mature. Now it's vanilla.
0: When's the last time you've had strawberry milk? Ooh. Oh my God.
1: They like, make that up here? I don't long. even
0: Do they do they have that in Alberta? I've seen it, but oh, I haven't
1: seen like it. It's like the in a strawberry while. quick. Yeah. I had yeah, one yeah. like
2: three days ago. Okay. When was yes. the last time you
1: had <laughs> quick? <laughs> I had one three days ago. What? Yeah. Oh man. Strawberry, strawberry milk?
2: Yeah. Like not the nest quick. Like, so, like a bottle of milk strawberry to go, oh, it was bottle, milk to go. ready to go, strawberry milk, Look strawberry milk to go. I, I, Gross. Like that stuff so, can just sit out without being in a fridge. I don't yeah. trust it.
0: So, um, there is a, uh, there's a, there's a late night spot in Niagara Falls called the flying saucer and it's a restaurant shaped like a flying saucer. Mm. And that's the place where you go after you get off after you had way too many, um, drinks you go there and eat at the end of the night one of my moves francis after having a ton of drinks was getting a large chocolate milk there for some reason that was a large your chocolate milk wow with a turkey sub and what they did with the turkey <laughs> sub was they actually used real turkey it wasn't like processed it wasn't it was they, they baked a big turkey and you get the turkey sub and you actually get the the turkey breast in there with the gravy and the mushrooms, the cheese, fantastic. And the move is you eat half of it, so then the next day when you're super hungover, oh, right you there. eat the next half Yeah, with a large chocolate milk.
1: Well, the old move in this city, and a lot of people would know this, the old Singapore Sam's trick, if you asked for uh, cold tea, yep. like you wanted a beer, yep. but it was after hours. I, I see. It, they would fill it with, with beer. I see. I, I don't know if they still do that and I hope it, I hope I didn't just ruin it for people. Right. Or for or them. Not, or like Thinking they're, they're going to get shut, shut down. down now. <laughs> like, yeah. Damn, We're serving sl- liquor, yeah. right? You just got a cold tea and they go, ah, <laughs> "Ah, we get it." We got you. They give you the wink. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got you. That's right. Uh when I I owned the uh, the beltliner here. I've since sold it, but it was an old-school diner. Do you still
0: have like a you can go in there and get free breakfast or what? Was that part no, of the stipulation? No, I've been banned.
1: I can't go in there. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I still love it. It still does really well. It's a great place. They've never served milkshakes. And my my partner who ran, my buddy who was like, ran the whole thing, I just showed up every once in a while. He said, no, we can't make milkshakes. I'm like, an old school diner? That's what a, that's huh. what it's all about. Yeah. And I want I want 100 flavors, and I want it to be the thing. I want us to rival Peter's. Right. He said, no, no, it's, it takes too long. But more than anything, if you're going to do it right, it's too loud. You know those machines? Yeah. Like, like brr. In, in the whole restaurant, Oh yeah, and I, we disagreed on that one, and so we sold it. No, that's not why we <laughs> sold it, but but we never sold a milkshake in there. I'm like, why wouldn't we do that?
0: Where are you at with a uh, Wendy's frosty?
1: Yeah, pretty good. It's a well, malt. It's a malt. Yeah, oh. exactly. You that's just the malt. It. That's in a now, different category.
0: I believe, and again, somebody will correct me. Nine nine text line. right now. Yeah, I believe they they contain mayonnaise too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, because I remember. About? Just yeah, just sticking it. I Like, I remember I worked with a uh, couple of guys who uh, worked at Wendy's when I was in school. <laughs> and they said they had to, like, put the sandwiches together within four seconds. That's why you ever notice how they're, like, slapped <laughs> together? Like, that's the thing. They have to be put together within, like, four or five seconds. And I believe they told me uh, they contain mayonnaise. Patrick's looking this up right now. That the Frosties at Wendy's contain mayonnaise. Confirm or deny,
2: uh, Patrick? <laughs> there... I think there is. Um... Okay, there's an article from 2004. Yeah, uh, I used to work at Wendy's. Yeah, I can assure you that there is no mayo in the frost. Damn it! Uh, but then what I... is that on Reddit? No, it's, it's like a, an urban. It's on, a, it's on a thing called hip forums. Okay, well, like how reliable is that? <laughs> it's a Wendy's employee. I don't. It's, it's not reliable.
1: Okay, so we've got a, a 50 pack of Timbits here. Yeah, what do you what are you reaching for first without looking? What in your mind is like? Oh, I'm I'm clearly going for the.
0: You know what? I would probably reach for the sour cream glaze first.
1: You can have it.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird donut, but uh, yeah, yeah, I like that one. I'm a chocolate, chocolate glaze. That's my one. Yeah. The I honey dip. Did. You can eat a thousand of. The birthday cake's good now too. That's where I'm
1: going these days. I don't yeah. know if I've regressed. Like, oh, it's someone's birthday. That'll be delicious.
0: Yeah. Sprinkles. Um, before we get to um, John Houston is going to join us in a couple minutes here. Hopefully, um, can I get you into my franchise idea? I've shared with yeah. the guys here and the listeners. Yeah. I want to open a coffee donut shop called Jim Thornton's.
2: Uh
0: (laughs) And we're going to sell Jim bits. And instead of a 20 pack, it's a 25 pack called a scoff pack. And instead of coffee that's fresh in 20 minutes, you know, you know, when it's fresh at Jim Thornton's 15, 19 minutes, (laughs) Ah, one minute, where are you going to go? You know what the slogan is? You always have time for Jim Thornton's.
1: I'm just, I'm not going to invest in that just so you know. But and also, I think you are going to have to lawyer up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, think you're gonna have... I think it's. I think it's a winner.
2: The, the estate of Tim I Horton is coming after you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's well, like... I, I think <laughs> it's a really good idea to go head to head. with you.
1: One of the great, the greatest <laughs> yeah. coffee shops in the history of the world. Yep. They're not perfect. Yep. But they've got some momentum going, is what I am saying.
2: Uh, originated. And you Han- think
1: you could take them on head on? Why They used to serve
2: burgers back in the day. Too. Really? Yeah. Back in the first Hortons in Hamilton. Top, yeah, charbroiled burger.
0: Hamilton, we, Ontario.
1: That to me sounds like as good an idea as going head to head with the Leafs. Hey, let's start a second franchise in Toronto. Let's go to Markham.
0: So you're not you're <laughs> not
1: into that? No, I think it's doomed for failure. You sure? You pay your billion dollars to get in. At least. You got to pay the Leafs a million a like billion dollars for their taking a slice rights. of their TV rights. Yeah. And you're already 3 billion in the hole before you drop the puck. Yeah. And then you got to compete with the Leafs. Now, granted, you'll win a cup before the Leafs. I guess that's the good thing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you'll have the expansion rules. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what, but what if what if they did like a Clippers Lakers thing, where
0: they're both playing in the same building?
2: But then the Clippers are moving to their new building. Yeah, they a few are. Years but the I evening. mean, like, Even yeah, how the they, and
1: how yeah. have the Clippers done over the course? Exactly, of their history? Yeah, but they're cursed. Is my point? The redheaded stepchild
2: of L.A. Yeah, <laughs> like the White Sox have won a World Series.
1: Why are they cursed?
2: They, I don't I don't know why. They just, because they, can't they tried wait.
1: to go head to head with the Great Lakers. Maybe? They were in
2: they were in Buffalo, then they moved to San Diego, then they thought, hey, let's go to Los Angeles. That's
0: my thing, because they're cursed because they left beautiful <laughs> Buffalo. They exactly. should be still the Buffalo Braves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> NBA in Buffalo catch the fever.
1: Woo! How did Down that the, not work?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't the, know. How did the NBA not work in Vancouver? They got screwed they were, out of that. They were team. terrible. They, yeah, but yeah. they got screwed out of that. Big them. country. Yeah. Big
2: country. When yeah. he was your
1: big pick. Like he's, how many, he's doing well now. You know though. what? Speaking of which... What do you mean he's doing? Well, did he open a coffee shop yeah. called Jim Thornton? No, he's,
2: he's a farmer down in uh, Oklahoma. He's got a ranch and everything. It's great.
0: Uh, John Houston I'm about to join us here really quickly. Um, did people in Calgary, like, did they gravitate towards the Grizzlies? Did they cheer for
2: them? I don't know. Instance? I would wait to. No? You're shaking your head. They no, were gone right? by I 2000. I, the NBA really didn't feel like it got any sort of traction until the Raptors won the NBA title in 2019. Probably. <laughs> and then it went out the window again. And,
1: and just so you know, and I know you know this, people in Calgary tend to not really root for good things we for talk- Vancouver. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. so you're aware, uh, I've I, I realized that
0: at the bottom of the hour, Caleb Joseph, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet, former Major League Baseball catcher. But right now, it's time for the Speargrass Golf Show.
3: It's time for the Speargrass Golf Show. Join us as we once again tee off the segment
0: with George Russick and Mattie Rose. Maddie Rose, of course, on vacation. The Speargrass Golf Show is brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city. Joining us on the line right now, uh, Champions Tour golfer, former PGA Tour player, John Houston. John, good morning. How are you?
4: Good. How are you?
0: Thanks for jumping on. We know that uh, you're very familiar with the Shaw Charity Classic here in Calgary. You were the runner-up last season. Have you ever been here for Stampede? Uh, It's a 10-day just debauchery, people having a good time, people getting cowboyed up. Have you ever been here for Stampede?
4: I have not, but that sounds like a good time.
0: Yeah, John, I'm telling you, you definitely have to make your way here to Calgary uh, for the Stampede before yeah. you tiered up at the Shaw Charity Classic. Um, it, there's something that I've noticed being from uh, the East uh, Altitude here in Alberta playing golf. Uh, How do you adjust as a tour player when you play in a place like Calgary, where the ball does travel a little further? How do you adjust your game to to specific Uh, conditions like that?
4: I think at Calgary, I think most guys use like a 5%. So it's a little bit of extra math, but uh, for me, I think it's kind of like a half a club. So it's not a huge difference, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely something you have to think about,
1: John. Obviously, this tournament means a lot to you because you had such a great showing last year. And but but why generally is this considered to be kind of a must visit on your tour?
4: I think everybody likes the uh, the golf course and you know uh, the the city itself, and of course the fans really support the tournament. So uh, it turns out to be a great week.
1: And and what are you doing, Calgary? Because I know the, the list of things that they offer up to the players like fly fishing or trips to Banff or whatever it is, do you partake in any of those?
4: Uh, I've been to Banff a couple of times, but uh not the fly fishing. Um you know, I know a lot of guys really love that, but uh I haven't experienced it myself.
0: Um, John, I wanted to ask you, uh, the open championship uh next week at Royal Liverpool. Um when you're playing events like that on the across the Atlantic uh, at the open championship, the senior uh, open championship as well. How much is that link style uh, golf uh, a lot different than what we play here in North America?
4: Uh, yeah, it's quite a bit different. I mean, you got to really play for a, a lot of bounce and run out. So, you know, it's quite a bit different. There's a lot of blind shots over there. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we all really enjoy, but, uh, it does take a lot of getting used to.
0: Um, John, tell us a story when you're in one of those massive pop bunkers—the ones that you need a ladder to climb out of. How do you hit? How the hell do you hit out of those things?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, you just—that's the the whole goal is just to get back out. It's not like in the states or or in Calgary where you hit into a fairway bunker and you still have a chance to hit the green. So uh, you, you're just trying to get out of it.
1: I uh, playing overseas the very first time I was in one of those, there's nothing more demoralizing in golf than having to hit backwards. Because you want to get out of the bunker and you want to go backwards, but you don't want to go too far. And so you've you've experienced that, have you, John?
4: Oh, yeah, many times. It's the worst feeling in the world to have to hit it twice. I agree. uh, Um,
0: John, what about the wind? Uh, We see sometimes where even guys on the tour, on the Champions Tour, They're hitting a driver into a par three just based on the wind. Have you ever had an instance where you're like, this wind is just too thick. It doesn't matter what club I'm hitting into.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's times where it's so difficult and especially if it's raining over there, you you know, you're liable to get a lot of wind and rain. So, uh, something we're not used to, especially myself having grown up in Florida, when it's raining, it's usually lightning, so you
1: don't really play any. John, I was just over in Ireland playing those courses, and I was fully expecting to do the uh, the Scottish thing where you're instead of hitting the ball high, you're constantly running the ball up on greens and because it's so hard and also it's so windy. Yeah. Uh, is that something that, you're, you're, that took a while for you to get comfortable with, or is that something that you maybe never get comfortable with if you're an American-born golfer?
4: Well... Yeah, I think, you can, I think you can adapt pretty quickly, but uh, it's definitely a different game. Uh, it is fun, uh, but, you know, you can get a lot of bad bounces over there, too, and end up in one of those pot bunkers you were talking about.
1: John, the, the, the Live Tour, PGA Tour merger is obviously in a, in a very murky spot. What are your general thoughts on where golf is at at the professional level right now?
4: Um, myself, I think it's a great time to be 25 and really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at, at this stage, I don't think it's going to affect our tour very much. So no, um, we're kind of like just kind of spectating. But I would love to be sitting in that position where each side keeps pumping <laughs> up the purses and stuff. Uh, oh. Yeah.
0: Um, John, before I let you go, uh, you went to Auburn. Uh, Cam Newton, of course, uh, was one of the superstars of Auburn. Does he play in the NFL again? Does he get another shot?
4: Uh, you know what? I don't see it. Um, I think he it just the, the things that made him great, running the ball and stuff. I just don't think he has a leg anymore. And, uh, you know, possibly, but uh, I don't see it happening.
0: Uh, John Houston, a Champions Tour golfer. He'll be here at the Shaw Charity Classic next month from August 16th to the 20th. Uh, John, thanks for this. Best of luck in the tournament next month.
4: All right. Thanks a lot. Look forward to seeing you guys.
0: Uh, there he is. Um, pot bunkers. Like you, you had to hit it backwards to get out of one?
1: Yeah, like playing over in Scotland. Yeah, you always hear about them and I will still think one of the most incredible stats I ever heard was I was covering the 2000... Open, you have to call it the open. You can't call it the British. No, open. yeah, no,
0: yeah. It's the open. Shape. The open.
1: And I, I think I'm, my numbers are going to be wrong, but I think there's some like 144 bunkers at the old course in St. Andrews. And Tiger went four rounds and never hit one of them. And he won by like 18 yeah. strokes. I think Ernie Els finished second, like 16 back or something. And that to me is one of the most incredible of all the stats he's put up because there are bunkers everywhere. And a lot of them you can't see mm-hmm. because they actually play st andrews backwards compared to what how it was designed so the a lot of the course the bunkers are hidden but anyway hitting it backwards yeah probably the worst feeling i've ever had in golf
0: now uh, i don't know if you knew this i I knew that at st andrews apparently if you're a lower handicap they won't let you play the course like if they see you up there and you like snap hook your driver on one to be like no this isn't for you today
1: Oh, if you're a high handicap,
0: yeah, sir. If you're a high handicap, if you have, you can't lie about your handicap. You have to be a decent golfer to play the old course. Otherwise, yeah. they'll just kick you right off. The,
1: the they, course. they, uh, they say in their this again. This was two thousand, a long time ago. But I, just going over to Ireland last week, a lot of the courses say in the fine print when you book a tee time, you need to produce your handicap card or your index card. Yeah, and it can't be over twenty. Wow. And and one of the guys on our trip was a 21 going over there? he was worried that they weren't going to allow him to play on well, Some he should of the have courses Just
0: started inputting fake scores. Yeah, it was indexed.
1: easily could have done that. he probably did it by the time we left. but the other thing is those courses are 400, 500 euros around. I yeah. don't think they're going to turn you down because <laughs> you might be a little sloppy around one of the greens. right they don't, they don't really yeah. care. My point is they never nobody's ever checked.
0: 500 euros around. it's like 750 Canadian
1: I played a dare Manor. Which is a Parkland course in Ireland, which is going to host the Ryder Cup in three years. Yeah, and it's it's as close to Augusta as I've ever stepped foot on. Every gra- grass is, every blade is meticulously kept. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been outside of Augusta National. Yeah, and it was by the time you factored in caddies and tip, it was almost it was almost nine hundred dollars around.
0: Oh my goodness! How awesome is it to have a caddy though?
1: About the best. I, I I'm so sad that we've missed the era. 'Cause when I was a real young kid, I would caddy for like the head pro or the assistant pro at sure. the course I worked at and, and that's gone now. What a flex move that would be though if you were playing a buddy.
0: Oh yeah. And you're yeah, all your caddy. Yeah,
1: yeah. And hey, oh sorry, this is Joey's my caddy. Yeah. He'll he'll stay out of your way, don't worry. He'll yeah. rig bunkers for you too. Right. Like that is amazing. I would much rather pay for a kid to be a caddy, yeah, give him that experience and that money as opposed to paying for a power cart. Yeah, which on some courses you can only take on the, on the damn path, right? Which is the worst.
0: It is the worst. So these, um, these are first world problems. These are absolutely first world yeah. problems. Uh, that was the Speargrass Golf Show, brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just thirty kilometers southeast of the city, straight ahead. Uh, diehard Nashville Predators fan Caleb Joseph. Also, Blue Jays Sportsnet analyst and uh, former MLB catcher uh, will join us straight ahead. And the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska, at 8 o'clock. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. No Rose, Francis, Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet
3: 960, the fan.
0: Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960. The fan, no Rose, Eric Francis. At the top of the next hour, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska, will join us. At 8.30, we're playing Stump the Franchise, your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Badlands Music Festival. It's easy. You text in a question to Stump our Eric Francis, a Flames trivia question, with the answer, your name and location. We're going to fact check it. And if you stump the franchise and he gets it wrong, your name's in a draw to win the tickets. It's pretty easy. It's pretty simple. And these are, these are are this is a good price. It's not cheap.
1: No, and it will be easy to stump me. Okay. But uh, may- maybe you'll pull some of these out of They uh, should be able to get some. Yeah. Been around the team for quite a while. Yeah, how long? 30 years. There
0: you go. Stump the franchise coming up at 830. I'm looking forward to that. Also really looking forward to talking to our next guest on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet, former Major League Baseball catcher and Nashville Predators fan, Caleb Joseph. Caleb, good morning. How are you?
3: Good morning. Uh, Just sitting here in the Atlanta airport about to board my Ooh. flight to Toronto. So if you hear a bunch of paging, no, I do not have an intercom system at my house.
0: Um, Caleb, do they still have the smoking room at the Atlanta airport with the sliding doors? That is just billow, <laughs> like bill's of smoke or just, do they still have that there?
3: Yeah. I think I walked by a cigar lounge um, and it's uh nine 30 uh, here in Atlanta. And there was already some people uh, hitting up some nice Cuban cigars. Wow.
1: Those things are those smoking rooms yep. in Europe, boom. You there go are, hard. There are more people in those than the actual terminal, yeah. <laughs> and they're like a hundredth of the size. They're all just crammed in yeah. there, exchanging.
3: I don't even think you need a cigarette to go in there either. Just a couple whiffs of the secondhand smoke, you'll, you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah it's totally true.
0: Um, Caleb, want to get your thoughts on uh, Ryan O'Reilly signing with the Nashville Predators after they say goodbye to Matt Duchesne. How surprised were you when you saw the Preds making that move?
3: I was a little bit surprised when I saw Duchesne leave, knowing that he loves Nashville. And, you know, he's got that uh, really nice shot. He can can score. But at the same time, I I love the signing. I love what O'Reilly does and what he brings to the club. And, you know, Barry Trotz is now kind of running the operations day to day for the Preds. And uh, he's just, he has a specific type of player I think he looks for. Back when he was a coach, you could really tell he was gunning for certain guys. And I really think O'Reilly fits that mold. He comes with. That's on a playoff experience, and uh, that's kind of a leader in the room. I think that's kind of what's been missing in Nashville a little bit since Mike Fisher left, and I feel like he can step in and kind of be one of those guys.
1: George, why are you so surprised? Like, I'm curious about that because, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, He everybody wants to play in Nashville, right, around the league. It's known as, like, probably it's one of the best destinations, if not the best, and he's at a point in his career where, it's about lifestyle. He doesn't need to chase a cup anymore. He's won one.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't know what the direction of the Predators is. Well, it's not
1: good. It's, they're not winning a cup with Ryan O'Reilly on it. Caleb, correct me if I think I'm wrong, but it, they're not. They're not heading towards a cup anytime soon. This was a lifestyle decision, and I got no problem with it.
4: Hmm.
3: Well, I mean, I, I, I do think that experience, you know, plays or whatever, and he's got plenty of it, and. I, I think they're going to be better than uh better than people giving credit for it. Their last uh I don't know, 15 20 games were really impressive. They had a bunch of young guys come up and play really well like Luke Evangelista. he was impressive. Uh they've just they've got a lot of young talent up there and I I think they need a little direction and I I like where they're going. I I hope I hope uh the Fred pleasantly surprise everybody this year.
1: I want to tell you about something that hasn't surprised me and I want to get your theory. We're going to get off hockey just for a second. Okay. I have a theory about Nashville and I I've, I've long said it's my favorite city in the National Hockey League. Uh, only Vegas can even rival it in terms of where I'd send someone for like the, their ultimate boys trip. But I say to everybody about Nashville, go soon because they're ruining it. it my theory is that they're ruining Nashville. They're building beautiful, beautiful new Apple buildings right on the main strip there. Oh and, mercy. And, right? And 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 and, and I didn 't go to the draft this year, and granted that's a busy time, but it's always a busy time in Nashville, and all I heard was stories about one-hour lineups outside of bars, uh, and you know, beers are now finally you know up at 12, 13 dollars US. The charm of that city's always been you just meander in and out of any bar you want, never a lineup, and beers were cheap, and there was a, that grunginess, that old school, and I think they're, they're going to ruin that. Do you agree with me?
3: Oh, I I, did. My wife call you and put you up to this because this is my number one pet peeve. Oh, is that right? My life. Oh, hilarious. It's, it's it's not shanking a ball on the 10th tee in front of my buddies. It's the fact that Nashville is no longer the best secret. Good. And I'm born and raised there. And I totally agree with you. The city is destroyed. Um, the, people there were known for their southern hospitality you you can't even say uh thank you ma'am anymore without somebody looking at you like you're disrespecting them that was a term of endearment when I grew up we have things like traffic now like you said (laughs) uh I hate it I absolutely hate it and yes you're exactly right and that that kicks me off more than anything goodness I'm about to get on this flight and have the ass and uh you know it's because just the fact that so many people have moved there. The buildings, they've ruined the landscape. There's no more open land. I mean, where I live, it used to be wide open, and it's not wide open anymore. There's buildings everywhere. It pisses me
1: off. And I know we all sound like grumpy old men talking about progress and things <laughs> changing and getting shinier and new and all that. I get it. But also, hotel rooms there, like you can't get a hotel room in Nashville. Certainly, whenever I've got to go for a Flames game for like under 700 Canadian a night, like it's just gone nuts.
3: It's absurd. I tell people all the time, they say, oh, we're, we're going to Nashville. I said, well, come and visit. You can't move there. Not allowed. Go back to where you came from.
1: Interesting. Not allowed. You're not handing out any more passes. I think that the nope. next the next Nashville, and, and again, you you probably have a theory on this, to me the next Nashville and the place where I'd send guys for stags and such is Austin, Texas.
3: A lot of people moving there, too. Uh, it's a hot spot. Yes, it's uh, a city that was kind of a sleeper city and now is just absolutely exploding. And look, I, I just, I'm not for it. I think that was part of the charm of these cities was their, um, their ability to stay small yet feel big. And mm-hmm. now that they're, they are big and feel big. It's uh, it's not good. I don't uh, like it.
0: Caleb, I was in Nashville in 2019, had a blast uh, with all my boys. And I did see the signs uh, that how many miles to Alabama. And I asked our Uber driver, Hey, is there any reason to go to Alabama? They said, no. Confirm or deny, uh, Caleb Joseph.
3: <laughs> well, if you like uh, Alabama football, that's uh, that's the hot spot down there in Tuscaloosa. I've got quite a few friends that uh, either live down there or, or are from down there, and I'll tell you what, if you're trying to get out of the big city, some Nashvilleians like me, we're looking south uh, just to kind of get away and mm. get into that open space. Plenty of it down there, uh, but yeah, if you're a football fan, that's probably the only reason you're going to Alabama.
1: Hey, Caleb, can I ask you a question? I'm a, I'm a i i'm not a big baseball guy but tell me about the blue jays should i be getting invested in them this year because every year all i hear from my buddies in toronto is all this is the year this is the year this is the year and then i ask them in the fall and they're they're already out of it. it is this the year i looked at the standings the other day they're kind of in the middle of everything is this a team that could could make some noise
3: Yeah, I I really believe so. And I think uh, Toronto fans, they're just very used to the Maple Leafs, right? Tons of hype and not (laughs) a lot of delivery. Uh, So for some reason, it just feels that way in Toronto this year with the baseball club. And I think a lot of it has to do with the expectation. So this is a team that has kind of laid in the weeds for many years, take uh, take out kind of the 15, 16 teams that were had, were loaded up, but they kind of lay in the weeds. And when they make the playoffs, they're, the, the fan base is pleasantly surprised. Well, this year they're picked by a number of different publications to go to the World Series and be a World Series contending. And so uh, their record as it stands seems to be incredibly disappointing. And it feels like the sky is falling. You would think that they were 10 games under five hundred going to be sellers at the deadline and they would not make the playoffs. And that's not the case. They're in fine position. The AL East division is unbelievably strong. And if you look at their record, the Blue Jays, that is, outside of the division, it's excellent. Inside the division, it's absolutely atrocious. And they've really struggled in the division. If they could even get a 500 in the division, they would... Be looking very, very nice. But I, I think of the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies, they loaded up. They had a lot of uh, big-name players. They had a lot of buzz around the city. And right around now was right when they started to kind of take their uh, stride. They had disappointed, quote, disappointed early on in the first half. They made an addition or two. They hit their stride. And before you know it, they were playing in the World Series. I think this team has that type of capabilities that they, uh, they offense can kind of start clicking as a whole. If they can just click as a whole, team-wise, because I don't think they've done it this entire year. I think they've had bits and pieces of their season that have clicked, but playing in synergy for the entire uh, entire game, an entire week, an entire series, I don't think it's happened. So when they get on a roll, I say when because I really believe in this team, when they get on a roll, it'll be fun. And all you have to do, much like hockey, is just get in. You get in, you got two or three really good starting pitchers, you can go pretty deep, and the Jays absolutely have that.
0: Caleb Joseph, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet, former Major League Baseball catcher, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Russick and Rose with Eric Francis, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Caleb, who do the Blue Jays need more to be themselves, George Springer or Vlad Jr.?
3: Mm, great question. I, I honestly believe it's uh, it's Springer. Everybody's uh, all up in arms about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and sometimes you forget he's still a kid. He's still very, very young, and when you go into a a series as a catcher on an opposing team, you're targeting one or two guys that you absolutely don't want to beat you. For the Yankees, it's Aaron Judge. Uh, For the Toronto Blue Jays, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he's had a really nice season so far. Has he put 20 in the seats already? No, but you look at the OPS, it's there. He's driven in runs. He's done well. He just hasn't performed to MVP caliber. Type of numbers, and I think it's irrational to expect that every single year out of such a young guy. I think it's Springer. Springer, it, for me, has uh, he's kind of limped into the season. He's had bits and pieces of the season where he's looked more like himself. The good thing is, his track record speaks to be a second half guy and a late season guy that can really win you games late in the season. I think that if they're going to get to where they need to go, they might have to add an additional bat. But if Springer can really get going, that will really help carry a lot of load. And what it does, it just provides protection all the way throughout that lineup. I think Chapman, too, is kind of a big one. Barsho has underperformed uh, so far. He's hit some balls into the seats. But overall, with runners in scoring position, he's he's got to pick it up a little bit. So I think there's two or three guys that if they perform to capabilities, this offense will look much different.
1: Caleb, uh, true or false, Ernie Witt, greatest catcher of all time. Go.
3: <laughs> well, I work for the Toronto Blue Jays, so I'll absolutely say true. And I thought he did a nice job. I thought he did a nice job. Uh, he's managing the Canadian team in the World Baseball Classic. Am I, am I correct on that? Yes, you are. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, I just sometimes you you have to make sure you're fact-checked because uh, being a catcher, I, I've been hit by numerous <laughs> uh, to the face, and I've got scrambled eggs for brains. So making sure I'm not mixing stuff up.
1: Hey, I I have another neophyte baseball question. I went to the World Baseball Classic. Classic. Yep. This year. Man, I think we, yeah, I was in Arizona. Yes. And uh yeah. for the Flames game and 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 there was like a, a 19-year-old kid on the mound against the US team and he got lit up. Like I think he let in 8 runs in the first inning and he got right. and then they pulled him. And but we, what an incredible story it was that this kid for the rest of his life, he'd be able to tell people like he faced one of the one of the best lineups in baseball history. Yeah,
0: Mookie Bats, Mike Trout, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they all lit him up. Right. And he, he could wear that almost as a badge of honor. But do you guys remember that kid's name and or what's he doing now? Because I was always curious to think, I wonder if he'll ever go anywhere or if this is ruining him for the rest of his career.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I do remember seeing that. I cannot remember the young man's name, but you're right. Being able to face that type of lineup has to be Uh, by far the highlight of his career so far and you know what if you take it with a grain of salt and you understand what's going on I'm sure he has plenty of people in his ear saying hey you know you you fared as best as you could don't worry about it you know you're you're 19 if you were in the professional ranks you might be an A ball. and these are savvy uh major league veterans up there best of the best of the best in the world that you were facing and so to be able to get onto that stage. If, if that if that young man never makes it to the big leagues, he, he can say that he pretty much pitched in a game that was even better than a, a normal regular Major major League Baseball game. He pretty much pitched in an all-star game. So yeah. that would be a really cool uh, uh, feather in the cap or notch in the belt.
0: Uh, Mitch Bratt. Uh that's the the player you're looking for. That's uh, the one. And his ERA after just uh retiring uh one batter, one third of an inning, uh a hundred and sixty two yeah. is his ERA. I watched
1: yeah, I watched yeah. every everyone. Yeah, like yeah, the
0: numbers are just eye popping. Yeah. Uh but what's he doing
1: now? Is he playing A? Oh, he's, ball he's,
0: yeah, he's 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 a minor league kid. Like uh he eventually hopefully he'll find his way uh to the uh the major He's saying, uh playing uh, A plus
3: ball right now. There you so. go. Yep that's 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 what I said. He's probably yeah. be an able. So yep. yeah, long ways away, but it's yep. a great experience. I'm sure he'll remember forever. Um,
0: Caleb, I've had this take on this radio station. I want to get your opinion on it. What Shohei Otani is doing, he's the most impressive athlete in North American sports. You you completely agree with that, right?
3: Hundred percent, no doubt about it. It's like uh, imagine yeah. imagine McDavid mixing with uh, Eric Carlson. For one player, I don't know, maybe sort of like just name your best defenseman and then merging him with McDavid and yeah. you've got Otani. Like it's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I've been saying this, Caleb. It's like he's Connor McDavid and then every fifth day, Connor McDavid
3: puts on the pads exactly, and he's the yeah, best goalie in say. the league too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's uh, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with him. Not only what the Angels do or don't do. But what the kind of number commands? Because baseball salary, much like any other salary in sports, is so dependent on comparables. And the only like borderline comparable that I can even draw to Otani is like a Babe Ruth. And I mean, here he didn't they, make those much. guys back in the day. They, yeah. yeah, they. they <laughs> no, he, he did he, he he played for his beer and hot dog after the game. You know, m- many of those guys had like secondary jobs, and these guys were, you know, Hall of Fame players. Uh, but. It's going to be so interesting. You look at some of these contracts, 3 400 million dollars for some players and this guy is even better than everybody else. I mean, it could be a scenario where you're talking about half a billion dollars for one player. It's truly astounding.
0: Um Caleb, I just wanted to ask you, like obviously your 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 career as a catcher and dealing with all the pitchers how incredible is it the amount of time it takes him to recover after a start? Yet he's out there playing the outfield or DHing for the Angels all the time. Is that the one thing we don't maybe talk enough about? Is just the recovery after a start that that guy
3: needs? Yeah, I think it's more mental than anything. To be honest with you, the uh, he's he's hitting it when he's hitting. There's uh, there's there's not as much uh, strain on the body uh, than it would be if if he had to pitch every third day or or and they went to relieving but mentally it is a lot I mean you've got to stay engaged and he's in there not only hitting but pitching and then when he's done pitching he's, he's hitting every other day after that and it, you've got to stay engaged and man I, I played against Otani and what a lot of people don't realize too is' he's massive he is absolutely massive he is a giant human and he runs and he floats uh, it's he is way faster than people give him credit for you, I mean you talk about five tool players. There's really not that many truly in the game that can get it done with power, speed, uh, bat-to-ball skills, defense. He's like a seven-tool player because he has command and location and stuff. It's like the tools are absolutely off the chart, but just what he does athletically is second to none. Uh, And, yeah, anybody that can go back there and throw every fifth day and then get up and bat right in the middle of your order, it's just he's a unicorn. And so – unlike any other player i've ever played against and intimidating to be honest with you because he's so big he's intimidated Got that big lefty swing there's not many places you can go that he can't hit the ball out of the ballpark that's what you're looking for as a catcher places that that you can go that are safe zones where maybe you can just give up the single i mean up and away down and away middle in, down and in. he's got all of those places covered very dangerous hitter and then pitching wise goodness i mean he throws wiffle balls up there. I mean, if you watch him pitch, he's literally like playing a wiffle ball tournament where he's throwing pitches with 22 inches of break. Remember the plate, the plate is 17 inches wide. So, I mean, he's throwing pitches there four four inches off the plate, breaking all the way across the plate. It's so difficult to hit. Then he's got a triple-digit fastball. I mean, you yeah. can't say enough good things about this guy. It's unbelievable.
0: Uh, Caleb, I just want to go a little inside baseball with you. Uh, the only knock maybe on Shohei when he pitches is his pitch sequencing. Have you seen the same thing?
3: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, uh, I I think generationally, since I've been kind of paying attention, really truly paying attention over probably the last 20 years, the Japanese culture, they they come over and they're very good at throwing off-speed pitches. They're very good at splits. They're very good at kind of this uh, sweeper-type action of a breaking ball. They throw some really funky off-speed pitches. And so they come over here and uh, a lot of guys, they kind of shy more away from their fastball and... It just is a bit scary, honestly, to think of what this guy could do if he featured that four-seam fastball a little bit more. He uh, could get up there 97, 98, 99, yet a lot of guys are so obsessed with throwing the breaking balls, almost sometimes they give the major league hitters a little bit too much credit. Now, he's got tremendous break on it. He's got four or five different kind of slider, sweeper, curve, all of these different types of break that are categorized differently yet move sort of similarly Uh I would probably like to see him throw a little bit more fastballs. If he could get to 55, 60% fastballs, I think he'd be unbelievable. But he's already unbelievable. So I guess the whole counter argument is why change? It's working.
1: So, slight twist on George's original question about Otani. You know, is he the greatest athlete in the world? You know, can a baseball be player, he, he is, as much of a unicorn as he is in that sport, can a baseball be player? be named the the greatest athlete in the world because i i don't think anyone's ever considered that to be a possibility mm. given the complexity of other sports right
3: that's a great question i you know I, I i tend to lean on the fact that baseball athleticism is just a very unique and weird and different type of athleticism you look at some of these pitchers and they look like they just got drugged out of the pub after about nine <laughs> pints. Uh, and they've eaten two cheese pizzas, and they're throwing like 100 miles an hour. You, know, you put that guy on skates, he would, he, yeah. he'd he be, he'd, be, he'd be gassed, and he, there's no way he'd be able to keep up. And it might work on the football field maybe, uh, but those guys are super, super talented. I mean, some of those big linemen out there that are incredibly athletic running faster than me, and I'm just 6'3", you know, 200 pounds. These guys are 6'8". 350 the way they can move and then goodness i mean what hockey players do with hand-eye coordination and skating people underestimate especially in the states they just totally underestimate the actual skating part
4: like they understand
3: the stick handling the hand-eye there the passing the hitting the physicality but they just totally don't get how the skating is so athletic so i think he might be the first player otani that is to kind of move himself into a position where can he get up there maybe around Jordan or Gretzky or like a Tom Brady type? I think it's a possibility. I think because he plays both sides of the ball at such an elite level,
1: it pulls
3: athleticism into a different category for baseball.
1: I mean, it would be amazing enough if he was just average at both.
3: right? Yeah, but that's could, the thing.
1: If you could yeah, get quality starts out of him with, with some regularity and he could still be an average hitter, that'd be enough. But boy, yeah, I yeah. agree. It's it's a fascinating discussion.
3: You're right. It's true. It's, teams would be just ecstatic uh, to get a guy that could be a fourth starter. Fourth starter put up 170 innings at four and a half earned run average and hit seventh. Uh, it's like one guy for two roster spots, especially if they can play multiple positions. This guy's like top of the notch at both sides of the baseball. I I'm glad that I only played against him for a couple of years because he was an absolute (laughs) headache. Like, I thought Trout was a headache when I played against him. Trout was just a massive headache. But then you've got this monster coming up hitting behind him from the left side, too. That's what people don't understand. From the left side, oh, it's so devastating because there's more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers. Right on right, you feel like you have a chance throwing breaking balls, moving away from guys. It's much harder to hit because he's a lefty. All those breaking balls move right into that down and in honey hole that most lefties have. And man, what he does left on left, too, is unbelievable. I mean, I've seen him take left on left, 97 up and away to the opposite field. And just guys just don't do that. Like in the game, guys just don't do that. So you're seeing some really, really unique stuff, once in a generation type of player, absolutely.
0: Uh, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet, Caleb Joseph, former Major League Baseball catcher, Nashville Predators fan. Uh, Caleb, thanks for this. Safe flight, pal.
3: I'll still be a Preds fan, even though you guys don't believe in him. Don't okay. worry. I'll, All right. I'll be rooting him on
0: It's okay. Thanks for this, pal. There he goes. On the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. That guy's smooth. Oh, he's he's the best.
1: Like, got the the good pipes. Like, I mean, I'm struggling to talk right now because of Stampede, but <laughs> but but he's got And I never had good pipes anyway, but... He's got great pipes. Yep. He's cerebral.
0: Super smart.
1: Um, You know, he played the game. He was a bat catcher. Yeah,
0: yeah I love that you call it back.
1: Catcher. I never did. Your brother yeah. kept urging me when you yeah. talk to Caleb, you call him a back catcher. <laughs> see what he says. And I did. I'm not going for it.
0: Back catcher.
1: As little as I pay yeah. attention to bat, baseball, I, I still would that. not call it a back. You
0: catcher. play back catcher tonight in softball? My God, I'll call it a back catcher.
2: Where else do you want him to stand?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just.
0: <laughs> I know, but it's just weird to say back catcher. Yeah. So old school. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska, going to join us straight ahead at the top of the hour, and we're playing stump the franchise at 8:30. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick Rose, no Rose of Francis. Sports at 960, The Fan.